Are you a professional real estate agent looking to get the competitive edge? Let's face it, the real estate industry is changing and we're going to show you how to change with it. So stop sending out mailers, cold calling dead leads, or even worse, attending network meetings. Become a modern digital agent with your hosts, Dwayne and Amanda Roberts. Now, there are only so many things that you can do. 10 things to offer a seller to get the listing. And you want to be competitive. And this is how you are going to be competitive with compelling offers. You need compelling offers. You can't just show up to a listing appointment and wing it. You got to realize there's going to be two to three other agents that are competing for that business. And they are going to come with their best foot forward. So you need to come with your best foot forward too. You know, I wasn't going to go into too much of this tonight, but I will just briefly say you can't show up to a listing appointment in T-shirt and flip-flops and expect to get that. Even though the average agent doesn't walk around in a suit and tie and that shouldn't make a difference, you want to put your best foot forward. And so if you show up in the T-shirt and flip-flops and the next guy shows up in a suit and tie, there's going to be a little bit different level of respect there. So just keep that in mind when you're showing up. I know a lot of people dress business casual these days. There's nothing wrong with that, but you always want to put your best foot forward and you don't want to show up late. So I can tell you all of this stuff, but if you don't use common sense with some of these things, like, you know, dressing professional, showing up on time, having your business cards, things that are pretty basic that you probably picked up from your broker or other agents in your office, then You can do all of these things and it's not going to matter because you didn't put your best foot forward. So that's just a little tip from me tonight. Now, there are only so many variables that you have control over when it comes to getting the listing. And I'm going to go over some of the seller's concerns. A lot of people don't want to sell the house they're in until they know where they're moving. So that's a huge seller concern. They also are concerned with how much they're netting. They want to know what their bottom line is after the closing costs, after your fees, after all, you know, after they pay off their mortgage or anything else that's tied to the transaction, they want to know how much they're netting. That's common sense. But they're also concerned with things that you may not be thinking about, may not be front of mind, like packing and moving. You know, every time my husband and I went to go sell a house or buy a house, my very first thought was, I got to pack this house. We got to move. Got to unpack it at the new place. And on average, it takes me about six months to fully settle in, you know, because we have very busy schedules. So if I'm going to move, I'm going to factor packing and moving into it. So it's going to weigh heavily on my decision. Now, you know, some people, they don't care when they go to sell their house, who's going to be living there. They really don't. But there's a lot of people, especially if they've been in the house any length of time and they have loved that house. They're going to be concerned with who's buying their house. You know, some people, they want a young young family to buy their house or they want someone who, you know, has dogs. You know, people have different reasons for selling their house to people. And that is why the seller letters that the buyers are writing these days, that's one of the tips that I gave in the multiple offer training I did is for a buyer to write a letter to the seller explaining why they want their home and, you know, what's important to them about the home, because that really pricks their heart. And so they want to know who's buying their house too. So don't think that they only care about how much they're netting. That's a huge motivating factor, but it's not the only motivating factor. 
And then, of course, they're concerned with all the stress involved with the process, especially if they're buying another house. And so if you've ever helped a seller buy another house, you know how stressful that can be. You're trying to time everything out. And so they have a buyer that's coming into the house after them. But then the house that they're buying also has a seller that's got to get out. Then most people want to clean the house at a bare minimum. They want to clean the new house before they move in. And a lot of people want to paint. Some of them even want to do upgrades before they move in. And so when you're doing a simultaneous close, that means for those of you who are new to the business who may not have had this yet, maybe you've only worked with buyers and you haven't had a move up buyer yet. You haven't had a seller who's also buying a simultaneous close is when you are literally closing both properties the same day. You're closing the house that they sold. So you're they're showing up that morning and they're doing the paperwork. They're signing on the sell side over to the buyer who's buying, who's expecting keys immediately. And then you're also closing on the new house that they're buying. And they're expecting keys to that house equally the same. And so a lot of times throughout the years, I would write it up depending on what side of the transaction I was on, especially if I was on the sell side, to give them date of deed plus three. Nowadays, it's actually more than that in a lot of cases. Like, for example, date of deed plus 30. And that's what you call a slow move. That's when the seller is selling a house or buying another one, but you're giving them 30 days to get out of the house and they can rent back or not. That's, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about rent back later, but that is what you call um, a simultaneous close with day to deed plus so many days. And so anything that you can do to eliminate stress for a seller is going to raise you on the bar as far as favoritism goes between you and other agents. So if you come in and you ask them probing questions like, what has got you stressed about selling or why would you not sell or, you know, find out what it is exactly that's got them worried, find out all of their concerns and address them. Oh, well, you don't have to worry about listing your house and not having a place to go. When we get offers from buyers, we're going to counter back with a contingency that says that you need time to find another home. And if you don't find that other home, then the deal's off. You know, you can put a time limit. There's all kinds of things that you can do to give your seller security to ensure that they're not left out in the cold, that they're not left homeless. So that helps them with the stress involved. And then, of course, potential repair costs. Every seller is thinking, well, what if, you know, what if on inspection it comes back and it says, you know, we need to repair this, this and this. And in a seller's market, a lot of times you're just writing it up as is. So it's not even a problem. Now, you may not be able to physically solve each concern but you can ease their mind. Knowing and acknowledging their concerns and offering solutions is half the battle. Now you can control your commission. So there's an old saying that I like to throw around. There's several ways you can skin a cat. And what that means is you can use your potential commission to encourage a seller to use you as their listing. And you may be thinking, okay, how? What are you talking about, Amanda? Okay, I'm gonna go into that. So some of these suggestions might seem like a bribe. And the reality is agents incentivize their clients every day to do business with them. They just do it in the form of a reduced commission. And this is one thing that you do have control over. 
Now, setting yourself apart from the competition is crucial for you to win. I guarantee that your competition is using one or more of these tactics to win the listing. They don't advertise it, but they offer it private, over the phone, or in person when speaking with the seller's agent. You need every competitive edge that you can get in this crazy market. And so compelling seller offers will give you the edge that you need and set you apart from the other agents. Now, I've put together 10 things that you can offer a seller to get the listing. Number one, offer to pay their moving expenses. This has been done in several different ways throughout the years. I mean, I've seen real estate companies actually have moving trucks with the name of their company on the side of it, and they let their sellers use their moving trucks and even their buyers. That is what you call an incentive. And they do it in several different ways. But you know, moving is expensive. It could cost anywhere from $1,500 to $5,000 to move, possibly even more if you're going across country and you've got a lot of furniture. And so let's just use this as an example. If you take a $350,000 listing and you're making 3% on the selling side, you're going to make about $10,000 before fees when it closes. Now, you can actually pay a third-party company, like a moving company or any vendor for that matter, on the CD and have the title company reduce your commission. So, for example, you were going to get $10,000 in commission and you tell your seller, hey, if you list with me, I'm going to pay up to $2,500 in moving expenses for you. And so they get a quote from a moving company and let's say it comes back at $2,000. So you're actually going to reduce your commission by $2,000. And so now on the closing statement, it's going to say that you're getting $8,000 commission. Now, you didn't actually pay the, the moving company yourself. You can do it another a number of ways. You can actually have them paid on the closing statement directly, or you can just reduce your commission and let the seller take it out of their net proceeds. In this case, it's probably going to be easier to do the net proceeds. You can do it as a percentage. You can do it as a flat amount. Whatever your commission is, you're just, you're just reducing your commission by that amount. You can set the terms. It's up to you. It's your business. You can say, well, I'll pay up to $1,500 in closing costs, or I'll pay up to 1% of my commission in closing costs. It really boils down to how much commission you're actually making. So also keep your broker fees in mind. Those are just a couple of things that you can do to get a seller to list with you. Number two, offer to pay the seller's closing costs. You know, again, it's you're just reducing your commission. And so seller's closing costs typically are about 1% or less, depending on your area. I know in some places like Florida, you're having to pay a higher percentage of closing costs because you have to pay for fees that are incurred with being in like a tourist area. And then you have to prove that that is your primary residence. And so, for example, uh, when we bought our house in Florida, we had to pay an additional $3,500 on top of our normal closing costs. And then we had to prove that we were residents and not renting our property out. So there, I know there's states out there where the 1% is not going to always apply, but roughly speaking, it's about 1% on average across the board. And so you can offer to pay their closing costs if they list with you. Now, this is just on the sell side, not the buy side. I know the buy side is much higher 
Unfortunately, you don't have enough room in your commission to offer to do that. But again, it's written up as a reduced commission. So on the contract, instead of it saying that you're getting 6% and splitting with a buyer's agent, obviously it would say 5% at that point. And then you could choose to still give the buyer's agent 3% and take 2%, or you can split the 5% and in each of you get two and a half. You can slice that however you want. I am going to go into that a little bit more in detail here in a minute. Now, you can offer to reduce your commission on the new home purchase. This is something that agents have been doing for a very long time. So some of you new agents might find this interesting. But keep in mind that sellers are buyers too. And so a lot of times what I would do if I was in a situation where I had a seller who was buying another property and I knew that I was up against other agents, I might offer, you know, $1,000 off or $2,000 off or even 1% off their listing if they used me as their buyer's agent. Because, you know, they can use you as a listing agent and not use you as a buyer's agent. So, you know, keep that in mind. Now, it's not normal because you want the same agent handling both transactions because you're trying to match things up and line things up, like I mentioned earlier with the simultaneous close. So it doesn't, it's not advantageous to them to use a different agent to buy. But let's use this example. If they're buying a $400,000 house, and so if you're getting a full 6% commission and you're split in half with the other agent, then you're going to make about 12000 on the new house. So you could offer, like I said, to reduce it, you know, by maybe two grand, depending on more, you know, maybe more depending on how competitive your market is, but that still gets you the listing and you're still going to make money off of both sides. Now, in this example, I said offer a $10,000 reduction in commission on the house. Now, again, you've got so much commission to work with, right? I mean, you're starting off at 6% and then you're negotiating down in this scenario. And so if you reduce your overall commission, you know, the $24,000 on a $400,000 house, and you're saying, I'm going to take $10,000 off if you use me to buy another house, now you've got $14,000 in commission left to split between you and the buyer's agent. So you could, in essence, do that rather than eat the entire $10,000 yourself. I know that might not sound fair to the buyer's agent, but I am going to discuss that a little bit further in when you're in a seller's market, it's a different game than when you're in a buyer's market. I've been through both several times. And so it's this tug of war. You're up and down. You're up and down. And so it really comes down to who has the most power. And in this case, sellers have the most power right now. They have the houses that everybody wants and everybody's fighting over them. So unfortunately, that is business. It may not seem right, but that's unfortunately how it is right now. And that's why people are paying so much more for houses when they do come on the market. Thank you for listening to the Modern Digital Agent Podcast. We hope this episode was insightful and helps you become a well-oiled real estate marketing machine. If you're looking to become a modern digital agent, don't forget to check out our training platform at moderndigitalagent.com. Until next time, be safe and remember you're only one system away.